From the brains behind Teal the Show, this is Teal the Podcast, your source for Jaguars news and analysis with NFL insider Mark Brunel and your host, Cole Pepper. We welcome you into Teal the Podcast, the post-draft edition. Hope you enjoyed three days of the draft. It felt like we actually had a sporting event to talk about, which was fun. Mark Brunel, uh, if they would have spread this out over... Seven days, I think I would have been okay with it, quite frankly, based on what we haven't had lately. Yeah, Cole, that's exactly right. It was good to have uh, a sporting event. And and listen, I, I, I think we all had concerns about how this was all going to go down. Um, it went very well. Um, the NFL did a good job. Uh, ESPN did a good job. Um, without any glitches, none that I was aware of, Cole, as far as just the functionality of it and and uh it you know being a virtual draft what, what were your thoughts no i thought it went really well i think there are some components to this uh having cameras you know rather than having all the players in um you know in one place and the hug for the commissioner or the walkout from backstage and all that i thought it was great i think we saw more reaction from players getting drafted right uh, that that to me is part of this that we didn't we haven't seen much of uh, they made a big deal on the ESPN broadcast about, hey, we, it was more intimate because we saw the coaches with their families and this sort of thing. Eh. I mean, eh. Eh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know some people might care about that. It didn't really matter much to me. I, I also did hear from some coaches uh, and GMs who said um, that they like being at home in shorts and flip-flops and doing it that way. And if they can do it, hey, even better, you know, it's not – quite as much of a grind and um, you're not in the bunker quite as much. So who knows? I think we will see some of the things we saw this year incorporated into future drafts. I'm not sure how much, but I think we will see some of that. Well, I imagine that, that in the, in the typical war room that each, each uh, uh, franchise has, it's gotta be really intense, high stress, a bunch of people crammed in there, um, different opinions, different ideas on who should be drafted, disagreements. I imagine being away from out of that environment and just really by yourself with the computer, obviously communicating with your, with, with the people you're working with, but uh, it had to, uh, had to be a real different environment for the, for the teams that were making the picks. We did not see any trades made by the Jaguars, which surprised me with 12 picks. I thought they would maneuver. Dave Caldwell even said after the draft that there were three or four instances where there was a player who they missed by just a couple of spots who they were hoping to get. Um, I'm surprised they didn't make a deal uh, at some point. Maybe the asking price was too high, but I'm surprised that there wasn't more movement by the Jaguars with all the picks they had. Well, it doesn't mean that they, they didn't try. Uh, I'm sure they tried, and sometimes it just didn't work out. But uh, to your point, and, you know, having that many picks, you, you, you would think that you would um, be able to pull one off. I think, uh, I think Dave and, and Doug uh, were real conservative, uh, real patient, and didn't want to force anything, didn't want to do anything too risky, didn't want to give up picks. And um, I'm okay with that. Um, it, it would have been fun to, to see, a, uh, you know, move up and get that player that we all know is, is just going to be a, you know, a future Hall of Famer. Those are fun. I don't know if that's always the smart thing to do because what you have to give up to get in those, you know, the top five spots, it's, it's – uh, it's quite costly, boy, but it sure is fun when that happens. I was kind of hoping that the Jags would do something like that, you know, but, uh, but okay. All right. They stuck to the plan. 12 picks, 
we'll see how many of these guys wind up on the final roster when the season begins. But let's go through each one of these picks. Okay. Before we do, give me your big picture feeling on, on how the draft went for the Jaguars. Well, Cole, I think you know uh, what I'm about to say is, is that is, it, it, it's too early to tell. Um, you know, you could, I could grade this class and I would probably give it a, a, a B plus, A, A minus. Um, it could be a C three years from now. It could be an A plus three years from now. That's just how it works, of course. But as I stand right now, I, I felt good about it. Uh, we filled some needs. There's things that we did um, that I was excited about. There's things that we didn't do that, that uh, I was uh, not frustrated, but have some concerns about specifically really not uh, addressing the, the offense and defensive lines as much as I thought we would. Um, but uh, we got some good players. We got some good kids. Uh, I'm big on character. I'm big on character combined with being a really good football player. And I hope that's the case with, with, with these, uh, the kids that we drafted. You were part of the first Jaguars draft that was all about character. Um, uh, you were on the team at that time. Um, and that was after drafting R.J. Sauer. Tom Coughlin decides he wants to go for guys with character, and he drafts all these team captains. A bunch of them couldn't play a lick in the NFL. Uh, so to your point, you've got to find guys. Character matters, yes. But you've got to find guys who can play football, too. Uh, and that's the balance when you start eliminating guys who aren't team captains or aren't high-character guys. Or in this case, I think, you know, Doug Marone has continually talked about not wanting drama in the locker room. It does shrink your, your talent pool a little bit, so you have to be more precise about who you're picking. You know, there is, you know, you got 53 guys on a the team. There's always going to be some measure of drama. There are going to be some, some characters. There are going to be some problems. Um, that's just the way it is. But you, what keeps that from happening is it's, it's twofold. One, winning. When you're winning, it covers a multitude of problems. When you're losing, everyone's ticked off, you know. Uh, another thing that keeps the drama down is really having a good core group of, of players on the team uh, and solid leadership at the head coaching position uh, where a head coach can say, hey, listen, we've got a problem over there. We got to go. We have a problem over there. You six or seven guys, you go take care of that. And that has been missing uh, the last, you know, for a long time in Jacksonville. We don't have that. So when you have a good core group of uh, leadership on your team, guys that have been around four, five, six years, good players, good men, good leaders, you can draft an R.J. Soward, you know? Maybe not that extreme. Um, <laughs> maybe not that extreme. You could draft a kid that I'm not going to say is, is – is doesn't have you know it, it has bad character but just might be a handful um and uh but that is missing with the jaguars right now and i'm sure hope you know hopefully the jaguars will eventually get to that place where um you know there is there is a, a good group of guys on there that can lead that locker room all right let's go through these picks one by one and we'll start at the beginning uh ninth pick of the draft a scenario that we talked about potentially happening where those top eight picks, there was nobody who stepped out of line is basically as we expected. Uh, Andrew Thomas going number four rather than Tristan Wirfs or right. somebody else. But basically, offensive tackle. The Jaguars were in that position. It was a conservative start to the draft. Uh, they wind up taking C.J. Henderson. What would you think of the pick? Um, 
I liked it, uh, and I didn't, but I didn't love it. This is why I didn't love it. This is the only reason, and it's nothing against CJ. I was hoping we were going to get Jeff Akuda. That's what I, that, he was, he's the best corner in the draft. Uh, when Detroit took him, I know he was, you know, he was in our thoughts. Uh, and he, if he was available, that would have been the guy. So, listen, C.J. Henderson, uh, a good player. What I like about him is that he's got good size. I played against a lot of corners that had great ball skills, that had coverage skills, good hands, athletic, but they did not want to tackle. There was just not an ounce of physicality in them. Good corners, but they were afraid to come up and make a tackle. That's not C.J. Henderson, which is great. Physical player, I think he'll be great. A character guy, good player, character guy, of course. And uh, um, so I liked it. Uh, would have loved to have had the opportunity to get Jeff Okuda. We did not. Um, but uh, that's all right. I'm good with it. All right. Number 20 pick, also in the first round. Great name. We think he can play. Caleb on Chase Song, baby. If you say this with the uh, Cajun accent, yes, the uh, LSU. They're listening, by the way, as a linebacker. He's going to wear a linebacker's number, not a defensive end. So for what that's worth, uh, Caleb on Chase Song, can he play the football? <laughs> How much of that had to do with Unique Ngakwe? I think it had a lot. To have had a lot, right? I mean, um, you got Josh on one side. I don't think I don't think you need Josh, Unique, and Caleb Vaughn. I don't think so when there's so many other needs, so many other holes to fill. Um, so, okay, maybe this means the end for Unique. I think Dave Caldwell said something to the contrary of that. So, so we shall see. But uh, you know, I okay. For me, Cole, this is one of those. If he comes out this year and, and has 11 sacks, it's a great pick, right? If he comes out and he's, he's, you know, he's kind of adjusting, he's, he's, maybe he's a little light or, you know, I've heard that his, his not great consistency, um, you know, you're not getting 100% all the time. Uh, that's kind of a wait and see. Could be great. I don't know. Again, I was okay with it. Certainly didn't love it. And we had talked Cole a bunch about it. I mean, I, I wanted a big tackle. Offensive tackle or defensive tackle. I wanted a big guy. And there was some, you know, we didn't, uh, we didn't do that, unfortunately. All right, in the second round, uh, a guy who the Jaguars say they had ranked as their number one receiver last year. He had some injury issues this year. Uh, LaVisca Chenault at Colorado, um, who maybe his claim to fame is that he lifts with the offensive line when he goes into the weight room. Not bad for a wide receiver. What do you think of the second round pick? Well, first of all, the Jaguars are always going to – they're always going to say – and I would do the same thing. Hey, we had this guy graded really high. Hey, we really like this guy. Um, uh, he's the first guy. You know, you're going to hear that kind of stuff. But there's nothing wrong with that. They're being positive, and we feel good about this draft, and this is the type of players we're – you know, we've got to go – whatever. Yeah. Um, I like this physicality uh, of this player. I like the strength, the size. Haven't had a lot of that. Uh, he'll be fun to watch. Um, I, I really like the, I, I really like this pick. Um, it's 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 for a young quarterback having a sure-handed, big-body guy who's tough and physical. Will, that will go a long way. So I was excited about this. I bet Gardner Minshew was excited about this. This kid could have developed into you know quite a player. 
Uh, it's one thing that I never really had, Cole, was a real big Calvin Johnson, you know, big, you know, physical receiver, something that I would have loved to have had. Uh, I did okay, though, with, with Keenan and Jimmy. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it turned all right. But, uh, yeah, good, good pick, Cole. I like it. I, I'm anxious to see how this kid does. 6'1", 227, um, <laughs> thick and strong. Yep. Uh, and a guy who's versatile. They used him uh, out of the Wildcat and uh, got the ball in his hands and some other things while at Colorado. So we'll see how it turns out uh, uh, in that regard. All right, next up, the Jaguars in the third round did get a big guy. Devon Hamilton, the defensive tackle from Ohio State. And uh, when you talk about a big guy – You've got the six four three ten right in the middle of that defensive line. I like uh, I like drafting that position as we've talked about. I like where he comes from. Um, made some plays, big guy. You know, we had talked uh, not too long ago, Cole, about you know before this draft took place. Hey, you know, wouldn't it be great to get some weapons around Gardner Minshew? And, and wouldn't it be great if you know early in the draft we got some some speed guys and some receivers and and that's all great, but, but something that helps Gardner Minshew just as much as having uh, talented guys around him is having a guy that can stop the run on defense. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but that was really missing last year, Cole. And to have a guy that hopefully can uh, uh, fill some gaps, stop the run, be physical in there, that is sorely missing. Um, so I, I, I like it. I hope he's a worker. I hope he loves the weight room. I hope he's willing to, um, you know, just give it everything he can and, and have a great motor. I hope I just like seeing those big guys that aren't going to get a lot of accolades. They're, number, they're not going to get a lot of sacks. They have one job, stop the run. And uh, I hope he's just one of those guys that, that uh, just tears it up inside for the Jags. So the Jaguars, after going corner, linebacker, wide receiver, go defensive tackle. And they followed it up with the first fourth-round pick with another big guy. The Smoothie King, Ben Barch from St. John's of Minnesota, a guy who came into college as a 220-pound tight end, leaves as a 306-pound left tackle, um, and somebody who the Jaguar scouts say they think can develop into a starter at left tackle. Again, of course they said that. Um, if, if Gardner Minshew and the Smoothie King don't room together on the road, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. Just you just can't get enough personality, right there. That that's just that's awesome. Um, hey, I hope the Jaguars are right. Uh, what school is he from? St. John's. St. John's in Minnesota. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Sounds great. Good. I, I, I'm hoping for the best on that one. We got an offensive lineman, although he's at a school. I, I didn't know they had a football program, but we'll take it. We'll take it. We'll see how this turns out. Division three school um, that actually, you know, listen, it doesn't mean you can't find guys in division three. Again, I was a little surprised. Glad to see an offensive tackle taken at that point. Um, I think there are two picks in this draft, maybe three, that are really good stories that, uh, you know, and he's certainly one of them. Uh, there's a, that's interesting that, you know, the smoothie that he put together that had grits and eggs and, uh, whatever else in it, and, and put on uh, 86 pounds in college. I also put on about 86 pounds in college using a different drink. We won't get into that right here and now. Yes. Uh, but uh, it worked just as well, uh, sure. but did not get me to the NFL. So Ben Barch, we'll see. I'm looking forward to, to getting to know this guy and, and seeing if he can 
he could do what he did. He did have a good senior bowl, apparently. They liked what they saw at the senior bowl against Division One competition. Always a question about how a guy makes that Cole, adjustment. Cole, it's D th- I mean, it's, it's Division Three. It's D3. There's a reason he was <laughs> at a D3 school. Listen, I'm hoping for the best. It'd be, it would be a great story. It already is the fact that he, he got drafted from D3 school. Um, being a high school coach at Episcopal, most of our kids go to D3. I know what D3 programs look like. <laughs> so it would, it would be great. And, uh, um, but to, uh, to come out and say we think he can, you know, did they think he could, he could compete as for the starting job this season? Well, d- develop into that. Develop. Okay. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Anything can happen. We'll see. All right. Let's move on to the next fourth-round pick. They go with an undersized cornerback named Josiah Scott from Michigan State. Tough guy mentality. Uh, Jaguar scouts, they play bigger than his size. Uh, he's uh, 5'9 and changed about 170 pounds. Uh, after drafting a cornerback in the first round, this was a surprise that they would go back. But they say he's a guy who may be able to wind up being a nickel corner for them. Yeah, if that's the case, um, they, I, I'm fine with it. I mean, a, a good player. Um, you know, they had they had addressed, uh, you know, receiver, D-line, offensive line. They already had a corner pass rusher. Okay. Um, it, this, it seems like this perhaps was just the best available right there. Uh, I thought they would uh, – perhaps go after a quarterback. I forget who was uh, available at that I think Jacob, time. Jacob Eason may have been available at that point. Yeah, I, I, yeah, you're right about that. And, and I actually thought the Jaguars were really interested. We're, we're going to go after Jacob Eason because um, he was impressive at the, at the combine. As far as the ball coming off his hand and it, the arm strength and, and the deep balls, obviously there's more to playing quarterback than just how you throw it. But uh, – um, I thought they would they would consider a quarterback with this pick, but they didn't, and we'll see that if, if this kid can move inside and help at the nickel spot, that'd be great. Uh, Jacob Eason did go in the fourth round. He had gone already by the time the Jaguars had this pick. Um, gotcha. So he went at uh, pick 122, and uh, Josiah Scott was 137. So uh, he was not around at that point. Uh, he was around when the Jaguars were looking at Ben Barch. And the other uh, fourth-round pick, they go local with Shaq Quarterman, the former Oakley star from Miami. Uh, again, I was a little surprised by this pick. I thought it was a little high for him, but I thought if you know if they could get him in the fifth or sixth round, that might be a good spot uh, for Shaq. And again, a great story to see a local kid, first kid ever from Oakley to get drafted in the NFL. We've got a lot of great stories and a lot of great kids. Uh, it's just it's just wonderful. Just just have been a sweet. It was just a sweet draft. <laughs> I'm not helping. I'm not helping the cause at all here, Cole. There's some good players and stuff, but if we say it's a good story one more time, <laughs> a good story is when these guys all end up in the Pro Bowl. That's when it's going to be a real good story. I know what you mean, though, Cole. Yeah, he's local. Um, I, I think it's interesting when you talk about what the Jaguars might be doing on defense. Uh, Doug Marone saying you're probably going to see more 3-4 concept this year, uh, particularly if you have Josh Allen on one side and Caleb on on the other on the outside. You might see – you know, uh, uh, that set up. And then you could have Miles Jack and um, obviously uh, Joe Schobert, who they signed as the, as the inside linebackers. But this would give you some depth there. Uh, Quarterman, not, not, not the fastest linebacker, but he's got that tough uh, in-the-box mentality. It is really cool that, that he, uh, he's an Oak Leaf kid. And, and uh, um, yeah, I like what 
what a great opportunity for him to come home and play for the Jaguars. Uh, I would love to hear. Uh, it'd be fun to talk to him and just, you know, growing up really at the time when, when, when things were a little bit better for, for the team. But uh, um, really cool for he and his family. All right, moving on, uh, the Jaguars then in the fifth round had two picks, the first of which was Auburn safety Daniel Thomas. Wonderful. Go Tigers. Go, getting a guy from a big school. Um, yeah. I, I, this was a bit of a head-scratcher for me because I thought, well, strong safety is not really a position that the Jaguars are probably trying to replace Ronnie Harrison at this point. Um, Again, maybe it was best available at that point, but this feels like one of those spots where the Jaguars could have traded up and gotten somebody who they were really targeting using these fifth-round picks. Yeah, it could have been to you know in a situation where who they really wanted was already off the board, perhaps. You know, you just don't know, and and uh, maybe they see something in them, you know, uh, in a player like this. You get later in the draft, though, uh, Cole, as you know, it's it's. Um, it's it's really it's really tough, you know. A lot of those guys. I mean, there's. It's not that it's slim pickings, and you know, fourth, fifth, sixth rounds are are very very important. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh it's 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 not not an easy thing to do. Also in the fifth round, the Jaguars take Texas wide receiver Colin Johnson, six foot six. He got a tweet out from Matthew McConaughey who said the pick was all right, all right, all right. Again, another great story. I love it. I didn't realize he was six foot six. Man, I like that. I like that. So a guy who could help in the red zone. Um, and a lot of the projections had him as a, as a late third, early fourth round pick. So looks like a good value pick there. Maybe not as sudden as some of the other receivers. But, hey, as a quarterback, to get a guy who can help you in the red zone like that, you'll take that. Yeah, and, and then if you get Smoothie King's, uh, you know, smoothies and shakes, maybe he could, go, he could gain 60 pounds this offseason and become a tight end. It's just a thought. That would be a great story. That we'll be thinking about that one. <laughs> uh, sixth round, the Jaguars get a guy who you're uh, a little bit familiar with, the Oregon State yeah. quarterback, Jake Luton. Uh, you saw him at the combine up close. I did, and uh, um, he had a very good combine. It kind of overshadowed by, um, obviously, Burrow and Tua and Jordan Love, even Jacob Eason. Um, he didn't he, – you know, he, he threw really well. Uh, I loved his footwork, loved his mechanics, tall guy, pocket guy, um, real accurate. Not, it didn't seem like a real strong arm, but he put the ball where it needed to be consistently. I just carried himself um, like a pro. I was impressed with him. He wasn't flashy. He wasn't um, – just kind of did his business. So I was, I was pleased to see the Jaguars get him. Obviously a different style than Gardner Minshew. Um, Jake's going to sit in that pocket, and he, and he makes no bones about it. He is not the you know the athletic sort, but he'll get the ball where it needs to be on time. Threw a lot of touchdown passes, and the best thing about this player is he takes care of the football. And if you're a young player coming into the NFL, if you take care of the football, coaches will trust you. Uh, and if coaches can trust you, they'll put you in the game. If he can keep that going and not force things – uh, he's going to be just fine. You get in there and try to do too much and you're throwing picks and you're fumbling and, you know, it, it looks, you know, you're out of control a little bit. You're, you're not going to make the team. You're not going to play very much. So uh, that's the best quality about him. He takes care of the ball. 
28 touchdowns, three interceptions this past year at Oregon State uh, really speaks to that. Okay, sixth round, second selection, they go with Tyler Davis, the tight end from Georgia Tech, who played his uh, the bulk of his college career at Connecticut before becoming a, a uh, graduate transfer and going to Georgia Tech. Uh, I talked with uh, a source at Georgia Tech who told me, blue-collar guy, great work ethic, good kid, very coachable. That's good. Um, that's really good. And, and uh, again, hopefully a, a good story. We, we needed some, some tight end help. Uh, what, what was his, how big was he, Cole? What's his, what's his uh, height and weight? You know, I, he was, uh, let's see, 6'4", 250. All right. Okay. Decent size. Yeah, decent size. Uh, I, I'm not real familiar with this kid. More of a blocker, more of a catcher, a little bit of both, kind of. He, yeah, he says he's kind of a, a, a well-rounded guy. I don't think he's a guy who's going to necessarily wow you with his athleticism. He's not a Tony Gonzalez get down the field type, but right. um, willing as a blocker for sure. Uh, he came to Georgia Tech knowing that they were making that change in their offense, uh, and was going to help with that sort of transition. Um, and a uh, high school quarterback. Uh, who went to UConn originally as a quarterback. So uh, for what that matters. Uh, that's a great so, story. That's, a, that's another great story. Another great story. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, Chris Claybrooks from Memphis. The returner. Uh, he was, yeah, he's a return man um, who did not run a great time uh, at the combine because he was injured. He had a, uh, he had a core muscle injury, but uh, claims, and we've heard what a lot of people have claimed, 439 to 444 is the range he's run the 40 in. We'll see. He's a young guy, 21 years old, um, does have a kid, and he says uh, he came out early because he wanted to feed his family. All right, good for him. Listen, it, um, returner, I, we, we could use some help. Now, it, it, it's my understanding that he's not a punt returner. He can, he can do it, but kickoff returner is his forte, right? Uh, you know, Dave, Dave Caldwell mentioned both, uh, kickoff and, uh, and punt. Um, and so I guess we'll see how, it, how he's utilized. I'm just looking up his numbers from Memphis. Uh, yeah, I read something where he's primarily uh, would be a, a kick returner for us, but, and, and, we'll, and they'll, they'll plug him in and doing some punt returning as well. Um, but that's not, that's not his strength. I couldn't imagine using, you know, drafting a guy and not having him uh, do both. Yeah. He averaged 31 yards per kickoff return uh, at Memphis in 2019. And in 2018, uh, was not used as a return man. So, again, um, a bit of a projection. Again, it's a seventh-round pick. Uh, sure. I, yeah. if, you get, if you get anything out of a seventh-round pick, it's a good pick. Uh, you're, you're exactly right. So, uh, you know, 12 picks, uh, solid draft. Cole, I, I, I think the Jaguars did a good, good job. Time will tell uh, again. And I don't, I don't mean to downplay the good stories and the good character. All that is very important. Um, and um, they got better. Obviously, they were going to get better um, from before the draft to after the draft. How much better? We'll see. But um, – I think they could be proud of their accomplishments and the guys they got. So, um, yeah, I think everyone feels pretty good about everything right now. All right, let's ask the ultimate question now. 
based on what's happened in free agency and what's happened in the draft, what kind of team, what kind of roster do the Jaguars have right now in your mind? How, how do you want me to grade this? I, it, um, I, think, I think they're still going to struggle, Cole. Um, while some holes have been filled, some needs have been met through the draft, uh, those, are some, those are some young players that we're plugging in. We lost some key leaders, some key players, some older guys that have been around a while, guys like Clayus Campbell. And those guys are hard to replace. Uh, you hope that these draft picks can immediately come in and make some impact. The first-round guys are supposed to. Um, that's what first-rounders are supposed to do, come in, get on the field, and make a difference. Rounds two and three, if they can contribute, that would be great. Last year's young players, specifically Gardner Minshew, another year under his belt, he needs to get better. So my concern is there were so many holes going into this draft. Some have been filled by young players. The other concern is because you have um, a team that did not do well at all last year and you didn't have an opportunity to do any OTAs or, or have meetings or do mini camp or anything like that, you're not together as a team, um, that, that, that will hurt you. Uh, so there are some, con some concerns. You look at the schedule. The schedule's tough. Our division is tough. So, yeah, I, I feel good about the draft, but I don't know if I, how much better I feel about the team, Cole. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I don't think this is a team that's going to contend this year. I think it's no. a team that needs to be built to try to become a contender in 2021. Uh, again, remember, they will have – an extra first-round pick next year, again, from the Jalen Ramsey deal. So four first-round picks over the course of two years. We'll see how they all develop. If you hit on all four of them, you've got your quarterback. If, 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 if Minshew becomes a quarterback, and if you hit on all four of those first-round picks, you should be a contender. Yeah. You know, and, and speaking of quarterback, I, 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 think, I think the next step is, Colin, I really believe this, I think they need to bring a veteran quarterback in here. And I don't know if that's Andy Dalton um, or it's – you know, Jameis Winston's going to the Saints now. He's not available. I think, I think Cam's still available. I don't know if we want to do that. But getting a guy that's been around, I think that's important. Because if you're going – if Gardner Mitch is your guy, he's, he's going to be year two. Then you've got a rookie in the room. Um, I just think you need a veteran presence. I think that's the next step for the Jaguars. In all likelihood, that's why there was no real moves, you know, that high in the draft. They wanted to wait a little bit to see what unfolded. Um, but I can see in the next week them going out and getting a, a veteran quarterback. And, and competition's good. And if Gardner's your guy, someone just to be there for Gardner, um, just much like Chad Haney was there for Blake Bortles. And, and uh, so I think that's the next step. I think that's a very important step. We'll keep a close eye on that as we move forward. Uh, when and if that happens, we'll jump back on, of course, and have plenty to talk about with regards to uh, the Jaguars movement in Teal the Podcast. Probably no OTAs this year, according to uh, General Manager Dave Caldwell. Uh, so we may not see this team on the field for quite some time, which means that the rookies' chance to make an impact this year is going to be lessened by quite a bit because they will not have as much time on task on the field as the other guys around. So that's a storyline that uh, deserves to be followed. Mark, thanks so much. Uh, stay safe, and we'll talk to you next time. All right, thanks, Cole. And we thank you for joining us right here on Teal the Podcast. Remember, you can... Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. And as always, you can find Teal the Podcast under the Sports tab on newsportjacks.com. For Mark Riddell, I'm Cole Pepper. Thanks for listening to Teal the Podcast.